0: Hey, before we get into this week's episode of the It's Telehealth podcast, just want to take a couple seconds and thank you so much for swinging by for this week's episode. It means a lot to us that you're tuning in. We'd love to hear feedback. So if you guys would leave a comment and let us know what you thought about this week's episode, it would mean the absolute world to us. Thanks a lot two, one. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I am incredibly excited to bring an individual here today who is super, super impactful, not only to myself, but to the LinkedIn community in which he participates in, in the HR space. He is a Tennessee Vol. Um, it's so important to bring this man into the show today because he has a unique perspective on you know, the shift that's occurring around us in business. Um, Brian Poindexter, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm just really happy to be here.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much. You know, it means a lot to be able to connect with like-minded individuals. You know, you and I connected because of some of the stuff that I've got going on professionally. Um, But more so importantly, I was just so drawn to the character, the man who I connected with, your openness and your unique sense of self-awareness. Before we start diving into that stuff, why don't you give kind of the audience a little bit of background on Brian, where he came from and kind of where you're sitting in the world today?
1: Absolutely. So I'm Brian Poindexter, HR consultant, trainer, and leadership coach from Performance Point LLC. Um, I've been um, in HR pretty much my whole career in some shape, form, or fashion. Now, I've been in leadership roles for over 20 uh, years in other uh, industries, such as retail or warehouse or wireless or whatever the case may be. But Somehow, some way, I always found my way back to HR in some some fashion because my passion is people. I love to be around people. I love to see people grow, and I love to see people be able to maximize their gifts, and the only way to do that is to be able to discover who they are and what they are, right? So um, that's just me in a nutshell. Um, As far as me getting into HR, HR is something that is a passion point for me. Um, Because, unfortunately, we've seen a shift from what HR is. A lot of people see HR as administrative. They see HR as the gotcha people that are coming to get you when something goes wrong. Um, But we want to change that stigma. We want to get to the point where people can see that there's a lot of human and human resources, and it should be about people, not policy
0: and profit. I mean, that's a, that's a great point there. And I think we're seeing a dynamic shift in kind of how businesses are prioritizing the people over the roles in which we're trying to really capture. And I think, you know, especially today, and we can talk about this a little bit, maybe it's a great point for us to start off on, which is, you know, the great resignation and some of the drives behind that. What, from my unique perspective, I look at the great resignation and representing the time in which people started to recognize that them as people and their happiness mattered more so than the role that they were, or, that they were executing on in their organization. What mm-hmm. is your kind of two cents on the great resignation and kind of the shift that we're seeing?
1: So I think you're spot on. Number one, the great resignation really got an opportunity for people to have options for the first time in a long time. Uh, so, before the wool was kind of pulled over our eyes, right? There was a veil there of, hey, I'm just going to be able to come to work and I'm only worth what I give to someone else. Now, when the pandemic happened and it caused us to be able to rethink our, our aspirations, our goals, what we'll actually accept is something about facing near death or something that is really powerful, like a pandemic, to make you say, you know what, I need and I can get something better. And that's where we are now. So, now, People have options and now they're saying, I can choose what I want and where I want to be. And some organizations are scrambling a little bit now um, because it's the first time in a long time, decades for some, centuries for other companies where they've never had to think about, okay, people can go somewhere else and they don't have to be here. So people aren't just driven by the paycheck anymore. People are driven by their goals. They're driven by their happiness. They're driven by their inspiration. So, you know, the moment that happened, that's the shift that's happening now. Um, And now organizations have to decide, do you want to be a part of the change or do you want to go status quo and try to do what we've always done?
0: And I think that shift has been a big challenge for a lot of organizations, because when you kind of lose the leverage, if you will, in the relationship, you really have to approach your entire organizational culture differently. And, you know, on your LinkedIn profile, you say that you are a culture constructor, that's yes. super important. And I love the fact that you're leaning into that because the culture of an organization is so very important. And are you seeing a lot of organizations having to navigate that change in the culture that they represent right now? And what are some of the things that you're seeing?
1: Yeah, I mean, from the, at the end of the day, a lot of companies haven't even had to look at culture, right? So this is one of some of the first times for some people in the C-suite or some you know larger corporations that have really just been about you know what you do, what we ask you to do. Now they're having to look at, okay, how do I make people feel like they are a part of something? And then also, which is the biggest thing that's coming out of the res- a great resignation is how do I keep my talent? Because now there is competition that's happening between corporations. There's talent that's moving around everywhere and people are looking outside their window and thinking the grass may be greener on the other side. Um, and so now companies are looking at how they are operating. What am I doing to be able to make people feel like that? Hey, I want to be a part of this corporation going forward. And not only that, how can I pull other people to want to be a part of it as well? Right. Some of the biggest ways to draw talent has always been word of mouth. It's always been reputation. Um, But now you're having to really look at, I can't just talk about it. Now I have to be about it. So unfortunately, a lot of people have things up on their walls in their organizations and they have all these great models and things that they're putting out there uh, this, that say that this is who they are. But now people wanna see the rubber hit the road. They wanna say, you know what? You said it, but are you doing it? Um, so that's the biggest shift now. And so now you have to refocus and say, you know what, culture matters. Um, how people are feeling when they come to work matters do they do the work because they have to or are they doing the work because they want to and so that's the biggest shift that you can decide whether you want to you know embark upon right do i want to really look at adjusting the way that we we do things to make sure that people are feeling significant or do we continue to do what we've done and treat people as numbers instead of names
0: And I think the organizations that are treating, treating people like numbers instead of, you know, actual people are finding that they've got the people leaving in flocks, but the best recruiting tool in my mind from an HR perspective is that word of mouth by people who are actually walking the walk. One of my, you know, people that I look to online and I look up to a little bit is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I saw a piece of content the other day from him and he was looking around the room at some of the guys who were in the room. And he was like, how long have you been here? And he was like, seven years. How long have you been here? Nine years. And he was like, the fact that these guys are here is why talent wants to come here. Because if yes. we understand we have a culture of prioritizing these guys. And if ever people want to be one of these guys, they know where they can come and they can experience that type of culture, which in itself is like a self-fulfilling prophecy or a feedback loop that just continues to get better.
1: Absolutely. You know, that that's one thing that, um, that we really preach at Performance Point is finding those ways to turn your you know, your your actual people that are working for you into ambassadors. Um, So at at first it's just like, hey, you're just happy to be here and get a paycheck. Now we need those people to be the ones that are going out and speaking on behalf of the company and making people feel like, you know what? I am so happy. I am so fulfilled that I want somebody else to experience what I experienced. That's one thing that is in the human spirit. That's what we do. It can happen negatively or it can happen positively. Uh, So we have to, as organizations and especially in HR specifically, we have to look at ways to make sure that people are feeling fulfilled and they are feeling like, you know what, this is something that I want to share. Something that you really like to to have, like think about the best food that you eat. As soon as you eat that food, do you just keep it to yourself? Or the first thing that you do is go and tell somebody, you're going to take a picture of it and put it on Instagram and say, hey, what (laughs) am I mean, Or you're going to like, oh my goodness, you have to try this, Right. Uh, so that happens, or it can happen on the other end to where that food was so bad, never go there again. Right. So uh, we have to you know, be mindful of, hey, are people getting what they need now? Um, and also a little bit of what they want to make them want to stay and want to be ambassadors for the company.
0: I mean, that's just so powerful. Um, And I think about, you know, brand, building brand in itself really is represented by the people who represent the brand and themselves, the people. And, you know, when I've had good experiences with different organizations, it's always been the person who led or was the tip of the spear who Mm -hmm. gave me that experience. I was like, I love what you guys are about. And having them kind of re-involve themselves in the overall experience that is the brand is something that's so powerful to me. And so last time we talked, you know, I was talking about the launch of our newest brand, Francis, and how we really have an emphasis of positivity, encouragement, support, and looking at the future of building this brand, building this company is going to be a huge component of how do we get other like-minded individuals around us who stand for these core pillars of what we believe in and how can they tell that story based on who they are? Because at the end of the day, I think, you know, people today have a natural... I would say detector for BS. Humans have a natural BS detector. But when you have people who are living it and being it every single day, it's an amazing way to kind of, you know, perpetuate your brand in perpetuity. It just goes Mm -hmm. forward. And I just love the fact that we have people like you who are really emphasizing why it's so important to have that culture ingrained in who we are. And it shows itself naturally outside of that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, and you speak to brand, usually when we think of brand, we always think of an organization or a corporation or somebody selling a product. But honestly, the brand is about the person. Uh, You have your own brand and you decide how you want that brand to be portrayed. Uh, One thing we have to always think about is, hey, what's our brand promise? What makes us different? What makes us unique? Um, And if you don't define it for yourself, I guarantee you somebody else will. So we have to take responsibility um, in our communities, whether it's, you know, social media, whether it's in, you know, the the work world, whatever the case may be, even in our personal relationships, we have to decide what is our brand going to be? Because honestly, as you just said, people see through your BS. That's one of the favorite things I love to say, because we tend to think that people aren't as intelligent as they are. Mm. Uh, And we definitely fool ourselves into thinking that I am so smart or I am so polished that I can make people think what I want them to think. And unfortunately what you realize, or I hope that you realize at some point is that it's one of the things that is furthest from the truth. People do see through it. They may not respond to it and they may not vote with their mouths and say how bad you are or (laughs) how you make them feel, but they will definitely vote with their feet. They will walk away, they will leave. Right, So we have to say, you know what, what is something that makes me different? What is my brand? And then what is, what is a promise that I can give that makes people have the ability to hold me accountable?
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you are afraid of accountability with your brand, then your brand isn't strong and your brand isn't authentic. Uh, I'd rather have an authentic brand. And if I slip or error, I want people to tell me about it so I can correct it as swiftly as possible so you can see and I can own it and say, you know what? I didn't quite hold up my end of the bargain that time, but this is how I'm fixing that.
0: So my question for you, and I know I would love for the audience to hear a little bit about this as well. Where did the Brian Poindexter brand come from? You know, something I was so <laughs> I was so inspired by the first time that we connected was your sense of self-awareness, your sense okay. of authenticity, um, okay. but also the vulnerability that we experience as well. And I know you had a lot of experience and you shared with me that a lot of that comes from your dad. So why don't you give us a little bit of understanding of Brian's upcoming or his upbringing and kind of why those, you know, characteristics of who you are, your brand are so visible today. Because like I said, and you pointed to this, we have a natural BS detector. The first time I interacted with you, I could see that you were authentic and my subconscious mind said, this is a good one. So let's continue the conversation. But where'd that come from?
1: So you hit the nail on the head. Oh, no, as, as we talked about before, uh, my biggest inspiration in my life uh, has been my father. And I know we hear you know that a lot from people, always oh, my parents, so on and so forth. Um, but when I say it, I mean it. And what I mean by that is that he instilled something in me pretty, at a pretty young age about self-esteem, number one, and then also self-awareness. Um, he wanted me to be able to, to know and learn about who I am as opposed to what other people define me to be. And so, unfortunately, I had to learn it the hard way. Uh, so for a lot of my younger years, my teen years, I spent a lot of time uh, fighting depression, fighting um, my own identity, not knowing who I was and, and, and what I wanted to be. So as great as they were, as my parents were, and they gave me everything possible to make me success- successful, um, but that was my own battle within, right? And so I was making decisions and doing things, trying to please other people, um, because I wanted to fit their box. I wanted to fit what they wanted Brian to be. Mm. And I also had two, you know, wonderful older sisters as well who are amazing. And they, I mean, everything they touch is like gold. And they really did uh, and do still to this day a wonderful job uh, in everything that they do. They're executors and they get it done. Um, but I wanted to be that. I wanted to be them. Uh, so I would put that pressure on myself. And nobody was putting that on me but me. Um, and so you know, at at some point I had to realize and learn um, that that just doesn't work. It's just not something that is sustainable. So my dad had to sit me down one day and say, you know what, we need to talk about what you need to do differently to find yourself. Who are you? And it was an interesting question. He said, don't answer me now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I really want you to sit back and I want you to think about it. I want you to decide what it is that you are, what you want to be, uh, what do you want to be involved in and how do you want people to remember you? And such so what I'm no, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, so such an important question to be able to work off of. And I apologize to interrupt, but who do you what do you want to be remembered by? And I think that's such a, a North Star to be able to engage from. Um, is if we can reverse engineer that, the steps to get there seem pretty easy.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's it's the fabric of of what we can become, if we can be able to, to see and have that vision of this is what I actually want to be remembered for. This is how I actually can plant my flag in the world. I don't care how big my flag is. It doesn't have to be something that everyone can see from all around the globe, Um, but I should have planted my flag somewhere and made some type of an impact. Um, and, And my father and my family, people around me were impact makers and I wanted to be that as well, but I needed to find out what mine was. Uh, and so, you know, at at the end of the day, what I figured out pretty quickly as I got into uh, my work years and really got into the work world, work world, that my impact would be with people. My impact would be with growing people, uh, and helping them to be able to find something that they may not have even known they have themselves, but you just need that helping hand or you need that little, uh, nudge to be able to get you on the road to, you know, your destiny that you actually have for yourself and not what the world says it should be.
0: Well, a huge part of that navigating that road of what you should establish for yourself is self-esteem. And so I want to get what your definition of self-esteem is and the role that it's really played kind of as you've gone through the different seasons of your professional career and your personal growth.
1: Mm -hmm. So self-esteem is number one about authenticity. Uh, If you really want to feel good about yourself, you have to know and understand who you are, what you can do, and also what your limitations are. We all have things that we are great at. And we also have things that are challenges or opportunities and some things that we just literally can't do. And that's okay. Um, But the authenticity piece has to happen first. You have to be able to self-assess. So that's one thing that I had to learn personally myself was how to self-assess. So as I got into the work world and started to get mentors and leaders that poured into me, they started to teach me about the power of the self-assessment as opposed to how everybody else is appraising you. So much of my life, I was so worried about how is somebody viewing myself, whether it was sports, every sport I played, you had to try out and they had to tell you how good that you were Mm -hmm. and you had to be able to make the team and so on and so forth. It was always about what they thought. And it wasn't even about fun. It was about what you can, you know, give them. Right. Uh, So sports is fun, but it's still pressure. Um, But you have to find out, you know, who you are and what you can do. Um, So as I started to dive into self-esteem, it really led directly into self-awareness. Those two are so tied closely together if you do it right, that once you find out your authenticity, your authentic self, you can develop confidence in yourself because now you know what what you're capable of and what you can do. And now I can be able to speak to what I can do because no one can define it but me. When I'm worried about you defining it, then you control who I can become. So there's no freedom in that. The freedom is being able to know who you are and not having anybody to control that. And then knowing that, hey, I can make a difference in this way and this is how I'm gonna do it. And then I can hold myself accountable for where I am in that journey. So that journey is not easy and coming up with all the self-esteem and self-awareness does not mean your journey becomes easy and you don't have to go through some things, but it does give you a baseline and a foundation to be able to have freedom in the midst of even your struggles or challenges. I'd rather have the freedom with the challenges as opposed to being you know, a person that is you know, locked up and viced into a certain area because I'm trying to fit in what everyone else has for me.
0: And that's a huge dynamic that I've experienced um, just in my personal life you know, my dad is black. My mom is white. My dad Mm. has always been a professional. He's always been an entrepreneur. He's always been a man who is representing, you know, what it was like to be out on your own, be independent. But one thing I've also recognized is there are many types of ways in which we have to show up to feel respected. And so Mm. I've honestly kind of subconsciously seen the trials and tribulations of managing the mask, especially in somewhere like healthcare, for example. There are not a lot of people who are in leadership positions who are black men. And so I've always looked up to my dad for representing who he is in that space, but I've also seen the trials and tribulations and even the strains that it's caused on himself because he has to represent somebody else. You know, Even the current place in which he lives, he lives in a country club and he is one of few only black men in this community. And it's very interesting to kind of be in the position where not everybody looks like you, but you have to kind of mold yourself to be that person. And so, you know, it's just like it's an interesting time to kind of be in leadership, to be a young black man and to represent kind of. People who weren't able to get here because of some of those self-esteem issues that came along the way. And so it's like, you know, I really resonate with your dad's ability to establish that self-esteem in you, because that's a huge component. And I really do get worried, Brian, about the people today who are consistently living for the people outside of themselves. And I think that's where a lot of the hardship, a lot of the feeling of I'm not fitting in, I don't deserve you, the imposter syndrome, those mm-hmm. type of things come into our lives, because when we're really trying to operate to appease everybody else rather than ourselves. And so, you know, I commend you for, um, you know, the way you carry yourself, Brian, it's very impressive. And it's very easy to pick up on, you know, your confidence in yourself at a, an early interaction, the same way that me and you kind of linked up.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, respect is a funny word. Um, and and respecting can take you in a lot of different ways, Um, but what I had to learn was uh, respect starts at home. Respect starts within yourself, and you have to be able to respect exactly who you are, and we all have things that make us different from the world, make us unique from the world, Um, but how do you feel about that, right? So I had to learn how to adjust uh, that feeling of, instead of feeling inadequate or insignificant, it actually makes you significant. Your your uniqueness and the things that make you you are the things that make people gravitate to you as you become an adult and as you start to interact with people. And that's something that I had to learn was, you know what, my voice does matter. And people do want to hear what Brian actually has to say Um, because my journey is my beauty, just like anybody else. Your beauty is in your journey. It's not in your skin tone. It's not in your job or your title or your money it's really about your journey. How did you get to where you are? What makes you you? What did you have to experience to get there? And people connect with that. People vibe with that. They want to know what made you you, right? And to your point, uh, there were uh, so many times growing up as a young Black man um, where even people in my own race were giving me a hard time because I would stand out as a leader in certain ways, or I was trying to do things uh, where people would say, that's not something that we can do, or that's not something Mm. that we should do. And my dad was the one that taught me why not, right? One fun fact about my dad, my dad was in um, in the military, in the Air Force. My dad was a Chinese language specialist. Wow. And so, I mean, when I found out about that later on in life, I was like, how in the world did you navigate that? So think about somebody that is going into the military, you know, as a black man, already having the issues that he's having. And then he's going to become a Chinese language specialist, which he had to do by going to Yale, which we know that Yale is not quite the most-
0: (laughs) Diverse place to be (laughs) at, yeah.
1: place to go. Um, And he finished at the top of his class and he was amazing. And so many people tried to stop him from being what he was, but he never let go and he knew what he could do. And he still can speak that language, those languages to this day. And it's amazing. Uh, and some people don't, don't even believe me when I talk about it. Um, but that's who he, he is. And as I was learning those types of things, the things that he pushed through, that's on top of civil rights and all of those other things that he had to fight through. He never wavered, right? And so you know, when you see somebody like that, he was actually the first black uh, warden in Tennessee. Wow. Uh, so when you see someone like that, And you grow up with someone like that. And you have that influence in your life over and over again. And he's one of those that is present and he is pouring into you. I had no choice but to, you know, at some point get it and learn that, you know what? I make my own way. Um, You know, I create, you know, respect by respecting myself. So I wanted to make sure and this was my thing, that no matter where I was, who I came across, what company that I'm in, that I can feel comfortable. So I don't feel weird around a different race. I don't feel weird around a different gender. I don't feel weird in a different industry. I just feel like that I have something to offer. That is something you have to work for. And that took a lot of work to get there. When people see the confidence now, don't get it twisted. That took a lot of work you know, mentally to get there. Uh, and now I'm happy about it, I'm proud of it. And I want people to feel that as well. And I want them to get it earlier than I did.
0: Yeah. Have you had some moments that have tested Brian early in the seasons of your professional career where you have maybe an example you could share with a group of people or an experience that Brian has had early in his career where he didn't have the confidence or didn't have the reps, if you will, to kind of represent the confident person who you are today?
1: Um, Absolutely. Uh, I I can remember my first uh, (laughs) my first leadership job that I had um, in retail. Uh, and when I got into this leadership job to actually have my, uh, my own store for the first time. Um, and I always told myself that when I got to that point that I was going to lead in my way, I was going to make sure that I treated people with the utmost respect and that, you know, that we would have collaboration, so on and so forth. Unfortunately, I had a leader that didn't believe in that. And I had a leader that really wanted to push through to me that you only get what you need from people. You don't do anything else. So you basically use them for what they can get for you. Um, And he taught me as if that was the key to success. That was the key to the best kind of leader. And it caused such a fracture in me as a leader because I was so torn. So on the one hand, I wanted to be the type of leader that I was brought up to be and that I thought and envisioned that that's what people would love. And then my very first leader that I have told me differently and told me that, you know what, you're not going to make it in this, in this business because you care too much about people and you need to see them more like numbers. Somebody actually told me that.
0: Hey guys, just want to hop into this week's episode and show a little bit of love. If you guys are still listening, it would mean the absolute world to us. If you shared this episode or the podcast in general with some friends and some family, we love to get more ears on the podcast so we can improve, get more feedback and create a better show for you guys. But just want to hop in here, show a little bit of love and ask for your help. Thanks. And was that part of that internal strife? Because I'm guessing at this point in time, you know, you've got your background and your father, your family, everybody who's supporting you, and they've pointed you in the right direction. And I know other people who are listening to this or come across this interview in the future are going to find themselves in the same type of position. So how do you, what would you be your suggestions for navigating that internal turmoil? Because once again, like we talked about in the very beginning, we always seem to manage different masks yes. in different scenarios. And I think many people still show up as a different version of themselves in the workplace. And mm-hmm. maybe we have some internal conflict about going against a leader's way of leading because we know that doesn't feel right intuitively. So what would be kind of your suggestion and kind of your experience for navigating that internal you know, conflict?
1: No, that's a great point that you bring up. And one word that uh, that I'm passionate about, that my leader Brad Federman is passionate about, that we talk about and why we even had such synergy when we came together was the word alignment. I had to learn the difference between agreement and alignment. Uh, so coming into a job, you know, young, uh, going into leadership, already facing a lot of the, you know, The difficulties and challenges of being, you know, a young African-American man uh, going into one of those positions, uh, I had to learn that everybody's not going to agree with me. And that's perfectly okay. But what I had to focus on was how can I get people to be aligned with who I am and what I'm about? So I don't need to agree even with my my boss. Right. It's not about that, but I can speak to the point and talk to the point to where, you know what, I need you to understand who I am. I want to better understand who you are. And then we can come in alignment of what are the things that are the most important that you want to get done as I'm in this role. So as I got mentors and people started pouring into me, what I learned was that I had to learn how to speak people's languages to be able to get alignment. Right. So if my leader, felt like that I wasn't getting it done because I was treating people in a certain way. I was like, you know what? Let's get past that. Talk to me about what you want me to accomplish. So if you give me profit goals, if you give me sales goals, whatever the case may be, what if I can show you that if I do it this way, that I can be able to meet your goals and I can actually exceed your goals, Right. And so that's where I had to learn that, hey, I don't have to agree with you. I had to get you aligned with me. And some of that responsibility was on me to be able to speak to my business, to be able to hold myself accountable, to be able to show you that I can do something differently and still have impact, right? And at, at, at that time, when I was dealing with that internal conflict, it smoothed that out a lot because I wasn't trying to fit into a box again. That was going yeah. back to who I was. Like, no, you be who you are You find out what they need, and then you provide that, and then you provide that in a way that makes it unique to you, right? And so at that point, it was really about can they deal with Brian as opposed to can Brian deal with them? So I did end up leaving that corporation because they didn't agree with that that model, even though I never had a situation where I didn't profit year over year. In all of my years in retail and in leadership, I have never had a year where I lost money. Right. So it's it's hard for you to tell me that it's not that it can't work. It's just that it can't work for you. Totally OK. Yeah. Not in alignment. I need to move to a place to where I can find alignment.
0: And that's kind of the biggest struggle that I think um, from a leadership position, many people struggle early on in their careers if they haven't had enough exposure to results oriented culture. When I say that, I don't mean that in like, a, we're trying to only get profit or we're only trying to get this result, but giving the people within your team, the people, the yeah. ability to be flexible enough to obtain that goal is something that I am very passionate about. Why? Because I went up, I, every, as everybody else, I came up in the education system, which was very mm-hmm. rigid, which was you need to do these things in very order to get rigid. this goal. And now that I'm older, I look back and think about the benefits that would have come if we would have thought about things in a different way. Mm -hmm. Are there other opportunities to accomplish these goals that we've established together? We've agreed on the language. We're now in alignment with what we're trying to accomplish, but are there different ways to accomplish it? And the answer nine times out of 10 is yes, because you've got different perspectives. You've got different mind thought. You've got different, you know, ways of approaching different situations, Mm -hmm. um, And so that's very powerful. And I think a really important message to leaders out there is, you know, giving people the freedom to be able to execute on ideals, as long as there's alignment in what we're trying to accomplish is very powerful. And I think we've seen with some of the biggest businesses out there and the most happy, fertile communities and cultures to grow and create opportunity for people to be happy, come with that type of alignment first mentality. Absolutely.
1: At the end of the day, the the big buzzword is collaboration. Um, And there's so much power in collaboration. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of us are afraid of collaboration, uh, especially as leaders, because sometimes we are afraid that it will take away our shine. It will take away um, our ability to stand out. But uh, honestly, you have to learn that it's actually the absolute opposite. What makes you an amazing leader is to understand and use the resources that are around you. Mm. If you can't do that, you're not doing very well as a leader. So if I have someone or people or a group that have things and have come up with something that can be better than what I've come up with. Why not use that? Why not give them the credit for it and say, you know what, Johnny and Susie came up with an amazing idea and I think that we need to make this work. And in fact, we're working together to be able to show you how this could be able to help the company, right? They're not looking at me as if Brian is insignificant and that he's not a good leader. They're saying, you know what, wow. I love the fact that you were able to find something that's gonna work for us. And then you're also being able to empower those that are working you know, under you, or what I say, work with me. You never work under me, you work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have a different hierarchy. But yeah. at the end of the day, that's not only building me, that's building them, that's creating those future leaders, that's creating those future innovators. And we never wanna stifle anybody's innovation. We don't wanna stifle anybody's curiosity because the more curious that we are, The more we learn about people, the more we learn about each other. And then once we open that door, you open up possibilities. So we want to live in a world of possibility right? Instead of a world of probability. That's something that my that my friend Brad Federman says all the time. Let's stop living in, po- in uh, probability and let's actually start thinking about possibility. And I love that. And ever since he told me that, I'm like,
0: yeah, I'm using that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to steal that as well because, I mean, it's very powerful. I mean, when, you know, the thing is, is like you said, we all have our unique upbringings. We all have our unique perspectives. And when we try and tackle a problem, it's not a probability, but it's a possibility in how we're going to get this done. You know, you said something very powerful to me last time we met. And you were like, you know, you can be the best player on the team. Let's say we're on a basketball team. But if you are a corrosive individual to the team culture, you can score 81 points a night. But if you're going to like have no team around you that's going to support you and have the opportunity to shine in their own right, then there's really no reason for you guys to be on the team because it's just an individual sport. And I feel like so many people approach their professional lives that way because maybe, and you can give your input on this, we have our ego tied into it a little Mm -hmm. bit on the Mm -hmm. outcome. And being able to kind of shed that ego through an understanding of self-awareness, which is a word you've used a couple of times here today, you have the ability to get other people's perspectives, which can be incredibly, incredibly powerful.
1: Right. I mean, the the power of feedback is amazing uh, and it can go a lot of different directions. It just depends on how you want to interpret it, how you want to receive it. Um, So a lot of people are willing to give feedback but they also recognize those that aren't willing to receive it. They recognize when you aren't capable. Uh, So that's one of the capabilities I had to grow first was the ability for somebody to tell me that I can do something better or differently. Mm. Um, And that's not a negative thing. It's actually people pouring into you. And I learned how to thank people for that and say, thank you for challenging me to think differently and give me a different viewpoint because that's how I grow. That's how I get better. Um, But it's not always easy to hear that. It's not always, you know, (laughs) a fun thing to get that feedback. Um, But the more that you can do that, the more that you realize that you have different things to offer than you thought before. When people gave me feedback about what I couldn't do, that was my ability to be able to go to Lowe's and be able to get some tools to add to my toolbox right I yes <laughs> because it was like okay i need to go buy that and i need to put that in my toolbox because that'll be the last time that <laughs> you tell me there's something that i can't do uh, if it's something that i can actually learn and it's within my limitations i'm going to try to figure that out and i want to add that to my toolbox if nobody ever told me that if nobody ever said you know what you need to think about this in a different way brian then that would never be in my toolbox and what i never wanted to be was that person that was pigeonholed into one thing Um, The one thing that I feel the most confident about when people ask me, hey, what makes you feel confident now? Is that I feel like that there's nowhere that I can't feel comfortable. There's nothing that I can't learn if I'm given the right circumstance because I'm willing to receive the feedback. I'm willing to get what you can give me and then use that, turn that around to say, hey, you know what? This can make me better. So if I'm the best player on the team, but I never learned how to pass the ball, if you teach me that, hey, we could score just as many points when you pass somebody else and they score just as much as when you score, right? And then you're like, wait a minute, that's a lot less pressure on me. If I don't have to score 81 points a game and yeah. I only score 30, but somebody else is scoring 30, hey, what's wrong with that, right? Why is that a problem? And Does that diminish my star? No, it doesn't. It enhances my star. Uh, So it's just a different mindset. It's a different way of viewing things. And you need people to pour into you to be able to get that. And to this day, I love it. I love when somebody is going to challenge me and say, hey, have you thought about this? Um, And that creates some of the what I call being the well-roundedness. I wanted to be somebody that could be more well-rounded, especially as I really went full-time into HR. Mm -hmm. You don't get to choose who you help. You don't get to choose the type of people that you work with. At the end of the day, everybody is different and everybody needs help. So I need as many unique perspectives and viewpoints as I can to be able to meet people where they are. And once that I can do that and be able to build trust and credibility, then we can get things done and make things happen for people and help them maximize where they're trying to go.
0: I mean, you're talking about the fundamentals of leadership here. I mean, being able to meet people where they are, being open to feedback, being able to collaborate with others, listening to others' unique perspectives to help you guys go faster. One of my favorite sayings that my uh, best friend used to lean into a lot when we were living together was Does it make the boat go faster? Right. And it doesn't mm. matter if you're the person who's rowing or if it's somebody behind you who's rowing, if you guys are putting any effort to help you guys all move in the same direction, aligned with the same vision to move quicker, then you guys are going to be successful no matter what, because the fundamentals of the team are there. And right. it's just very interesting. You know, I think we've all had the experience, and I'd love to get your sense on this. What happens when we have a corrosive team member? When we've mm-hmm. got somebody who's in a leadership position, as an example, who just does not vibe with the team. They might be very skilled and they might Mm -hmm. be able to shoot the ball and get the buckets, but unfortunately they do not contribute to the overall culture that you want to establish.
1: Mm -hmm. So here's something that I, that I push back on when people say that is that we have to realize that being able to meet people where they are and building a culture, building rapport, those things are skills. Mm. We always tend to act like that, that is something separate from all the other measurables that we have, right? So we can look at things that are tangibles and we can just say, you know what? I can measure this by a number. I can measure this by a chart or a bar graph. But at the end of the day, that skill of being able to get the most out of those that are working you know, with you, around you, for you, above you, so on and so forth, that is a master skill. And when you can master that, that opens up the door, not only for your own success, but everyone's success, right? So we have to stop looking at you know, being able to mesh with people or being able to have um, a relationship with people as something separate from the abilities that you have. Now, there are some roles and there are some industries where you are working alone and all you have to do is meet a number and then that makes you successful. That's fine. But how many of those are actually out there now? Yeah. Most of everything that we do and that we're a part of collaborative in some way you have to work with someone you're gonna have to depend on someone so if that's the case what better thing to do than to be able to use what's around you use the people around you and actually make them feel like that they're a part of something bigger than just themselves bigger than you and then once you get that and everybody becomes a part of a cohesive unit then we're all pulling in the same direction and there's that alignment word again right Uh, We just want to be at this point where we are all pulling in one direction. It doesn't have to look the same. It doesn't have to sound the same. And what I'm telling you is not about the rah-rah person. I'm not telling you that you have to be that person that is patting everybody on the back and wearing your pom-poms and doing all that to be a person that is effective with bringing people together. No, Mm. you have to be someone that is willing to discover. That word is powerful. You have to discover who people are, how they tick, what they want, what they need. And once you can start to learn and get those things, it makes you able to tap into something that wouldn't have been there before. And once people believe in you and they believe that they are significant in your eyes, that's where buy-in comes from. And once you get buy-in, that's where people meet their maximum potential. That's where efficiency comes from, Right. That's where people start to get to the point where they start exceeding their goals. So if I give you a stretch goal, you exceed that as well. Why? Because somebody believed in me and thought that I was worth more than just the number that they gave me as an employee number. No, I want to know the name that's behind that. I want to know that person. And once I know that person, you'll make your employee number as big as it needs to be.
0: Because that discovery process, which you said very accurately, the discovery is so important because we all have different drivers, don't we? Some people love the title. Some people love the dollars. Some people love the mission. Some people love the ability to engage with others. And so I think that's so important to recognize. And this is one of the biggest bones that I guess I could pick against like standardized job descriptions right? You're looking for the job description and you're acting like everybody has the ability to fill this box perfectly. But there right. are so many different drivers because we're all so unique that come along with that. So how do we kind of dive a little bit deeper into that discovery process, if you don't mind, and kind of what are some of the core fundamentals and kind of establishing, um, I guess, in recognizing from a leadership position that everybody mm-hmm. is unique and they have those different switches you can hit to help them be their best selves.
1: I mean, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head already at the end of the day, Discovery is is really about stepping back and realizing there's something to learn. Uh, one thing you hear a lot of people say, and I'm not sure that we all actually do so, is that we should always be lifelong learners. And when we say that, we don't necessarily apply that to people. We always apply that to a certain skill or a trade or whatever the case may be. Um, but if you're a lifelong learner, truthfully, that definitely applies to people. So number one, you have to know that people are our greatest resource. Anybody that's ever followed me on LinkedIn and all that, you hear me say that over and over again. That's one of my biggest feelings and things that I believe in is that that is our greatest resource by far. We just don't utilize it. So that's something that we have to do is find out how to dive in and find out what people can can offer because we all have something to offer. It's just whether we find that and then even from a talent standpoint and when we're recruiting or when we're looking for people we have to get out of that mindset that there is a perfect hire Newsflash, flash 2022 there's no such thing as a perfect hire nobody will fit that box perfectly right and so even if they're everything that they have on their resume lines up beautifully there's going to be something in there that's not going to line up perfectly right because it's no such thing there's no perfect being and I promise you, your job description is not perfect that you gave. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have to get out of that portion as well of trying to make, you know, trying to make the perfect job description and then expecting to get a perfect hire. There's so many things that are being left out of that. And that big thing that's left out is transferable skill. I am a huge, huge, huge believer in transferable skill. There are so many things and experiences that we have in our prior jobs, uh, relationships, whatever the case may be, that can be applied to something else. We just have to have a company, a leader, whatever the case may be, that is willing to teach me how to use what I have to benefit the company that I'm going to work for, right? right? That takes a different investment in people, but that's what's needed now, right? right? The, The companies that are making it, the companies that are surviving the great resignation are the ones that are starting to master upskilling and they're starting to master finding people outside of the box. So instead of looking for the person that can do all the tasks that you're looking for, how about finding that person that fits the culture that you want to build? I'd rather have that person. If you fit that culture that I want to have and represent my company, that brand image that we talked about, and I want to be about what I say, I need the people to fit that. And sometimes you may not have the perfect skill set to fit what I need, but you are the perfect person that is moldable to become what I need. Right? So we have to adjust the mindset. We have to think about things differently and that's how you start to tap into the great resource that that is people. Because otherwise you are pitching holding yourself into a certain type of person and then that toxic person that you talked about before that's in that company or in that culture, that's what happens. You got that quote-unquote perfect hire for the task, and they have no fit into the culture at all. And that will kill any organization from the inside out. It's like a cancer. It will always kill from the inside out. And that's what you can't have.
0: Yeah. I mean, that alignment with your culture is so important. And I just love the emphasis on people because at the end of the day, you know, one of the comparisons, I think I brought this up last time we talked, people often ask, are you in a B2B business or are you in a B2C business? And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you're really in a P2P business. Yeah. People to people. <laughs> I mean, that's just the most important thing that I can continue to emphasize is we're all people at the end of the day going through a human experience together. And I love the fact that you kind of pointed the direction at the lifelong learner because there's always going to be new industries. There's always going to be new opportunities, but there's always going to be that transferable skill that we carry with us. And many times that skill is the ability to adapt and learn on the fly. And when you have a culture of people who have the ability to put in the time, the effort and the work that it takes to get those new skills, I mean, we can really do anything. I think that's one of our greatest attributes as people is the adaptability that we have to be able to deploy ourselves in different situations. Um, Just so, so powerful, you know, Um, it is just such a pleasure to be able to have people like you on the podcast, because when you speak it, it makes so much sense when you articulate it, it's obvious. And, you know, when you're coming from such a simple position of, you know, aligning ourselves, having the self-awareness, having the self-integrity, but also having, um, you know, the confidence in ourselves and the self-esteem to be able to show up as our true selves. And I think that's so much of what people are asking for today. I just want to show up as myself and be happy. Absolutely. And when I can find an opportunity to align those things with what I do on a daily basis, life is a lot more fulfilling. And to go back with what I said a little earlier, you know, I worry about people today who are simply chasing the dollars because mm-hmm. sometimes maybe we think by looking around at us or looking around that those things are going to fulfill us. Mm-hmm. But often people say they're not. But when you can find a mission, when you can find your tribe, when you can find your group of people who you want to work with, life is a lot more enjoyable. And so I hope that people find that in these next couple of years as we find our feet again as a country, yes. as a nation um, and finding out what makes us happy because it's a lot more enjoyable that way. Um, as we kind of land, land the plane here today, as, like I, as I like to say, what would be you know your perspective today, Brian, with being happy, being positive and kind of blocking out all of the noise I think that is around us? Because when I look around, I see more negativity coming in at us in every direction. And so how is Brian showing up as his best self, as his fulfilled self, and as his self who can pour into other people's cup because he kind of gives himself the space to kind of exist?
1: Well, first of all, the, the thing that really helps me and what I had to learn was that uh, positivity is not a curse. And uh, unfortunately, uh, in a lot of places and in a lot of uh, societal areas, we tend to think about it as a, a point of weakness. If you're positive, you're somebody that's not realistic. You're somebody that is, you know, cup half full, but you can't see what's really happening. Um, and I push back on that. I've learned that you can be positive and still have a, a tone of realism in you. You can still know what's going on around you. It's just getting to the point where you can choose your mindset. Um, so that's, you know, that's something that is powerful to me. And that's always stuck with me. Uh, right? And there's something that I learned when I was with Nike. So I spent a lot of time with Nike. And one of the maxims that they had was choosing choosing your attitude. Um, because at the end of the day, you're the person that decides what you want to bring. Um, it's not about what somebody did to you. It's not about what somebody said to you. It's about how you respond. Um, so at some point, I had to learn that my response is my power. My positivity and my mindset is my power, not your words, not, you know, the box you're trying to put me in. It's literally about, you know what, there's something greater. I believe it. I believe in people. I believe that there is something better than what we're showing. And even some of the worst people that I've come across, um, I still feel like that, you know what, in the right circumstance, in the right conversation, it can be turned around, right? And as long as I have that belief and as long as I really believe in people, that will always drive my happiness and it will always drive my ability to be comfortable in my own skin. Um, And also to, to feel like that there's hope. The one thing that I fight, you know, as we finish up is hopelessness. That is my bitter enemy. I do not like when people feel hopeless. uh, And that's what, and, and the only way that we fight it for me is to give people options. So that's always my brand statement is that I'm here to give people options. That's it. That's all I'm here for. Once you have options, you make, the, you make informed decisions, you feel significant, you feel like you're in control of your life, and then that's what it's all about. When we feel like we have control, and we feel like that we can make informed decisions in our lives, that is utopia, right? So that's what I want to help people to find. That's my goal in life. So hey, if you ever want to know what Brian's about, I want to give people options. Well,
0: bravo. Bravo, Brian. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. So much insight here, so much positivity, so much gratitude, so much self-awareness. By exposing myself to you and having this conversation today, I feel more full. I feel more fulfilled because you know, your perspective is refreshing and this is something that I truly believe in. It's like, if we want to be positive people, if we want to have an optimistic attitude, we need to surround ourselves with those types of people as well. And so, you know, for all the people who are still listening, plus myself, I just want to from the bottom of my heart, say thank you for everything that you're representing because it is a small domino, which you are, that can make gigantic things happen. And I hope that this conversation can serve as that for a lot of people as well. So, you know, once again, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, Brian. Poindexter as before we leave here today, actually give everybody an option to come check out the work that you're doing, direct us to your website, use this as, you know, your time to shine the light on you, if you will.
1: Absolutely. So if you, if you want to find me personally, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Uh, So you just look for Brian Poindexter, you'll find me pretty quickly. Look for the fire Uh, because I have fire in front of my name. So that's one of the easiest ways to find me uh, there. But outside of that, you can also find out uh, my company Performance Point at performancepointllc.com. You can learn about me and learn about what we're about. A lot of the things that I'm talking about today, that's what we believe in as a a company as well. Definitely look up Brad Fedorun, my leader. He is amazing and he is a culture constructor as well. Um, So definitely check him out. But those are the best ways to find me. So look me up and I hope to get a chance to be able to connect with you
0: you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, that's been another episode. Thank you so much. Hey guys, that's been another great episode of the It's Telehealth podcast. If you're still hanging around, thank you so much. It would be an absolutely amazing favor to us if you liked and subscribe to the channel on our YouTube and our Spotify. We're always looking to get more feedback on how we're doing and producing these episodes for you guys. So if you have some feedback, we'd love to hear it. But once again, thank you so much for sticking around. Can't wait to bring another one to you. Have an amazing day. Looking forward to the next one.